turn it up. You're listening to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. I'm Emily Ferguson. And I'm Daniel Murray. Get ready, because we're taking you on a journey with today's marketing leaders and tomorrow's top stars. Let's go! No BS, just a fun, unfiltered industry conversation with the game changers behind some of the coolest companies from around the globe. The one request we tell our guests. Stories or didn't happen. A big welcome to our marketing fam. Prepare to turn them Welcome back, TMM fam. Today's guest, the social media, the beloved tech company, Drift, and is the author of the soon-to-be book coming out in August 2021, Feel Something, How to Use Empathy Marketing to Build Trust in Your Community. Welcome to the show, Pat. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. Super excited. I'm super excited as well. How did you get into marketing? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, it's funny. I was very interested in culinary school uh, right after high school. So it was between that or kind of going into business, but I didn't want to do accounting like the rest of my family. So I was looking between marketing and culinary school. And then um, as I was just looking into programs, you know, at Emerson or at Hofstra or other colleges that I was touring, I really fell in love with Emerson's approach to creativity and, you know, really focusing on communications as well as marketing principles. So I got really excited about that and thought, you know, I can always take marketing to any passion I want in the future, whether it's tech or music or culinary arts. So that was the first step. My first internship was in PR, actually. I worked at a small shop uh, in a local town near me. And my main client was a Renaissance fair. So I got a lot of experience in working in something that was just out of my realm, <laughs> very something that I never used to like think about or get passionate about. But I thought that was the coolest part about marketing was you get to learn from different industries or different projects that you you never really think about and opens your mind to different different ways of thinking. So I've seen your background that you did music. How did that like go from doing music to the suddenly being doing social media? Yeah. So I got my master's at Berkeley after I graduated from Emerson um, in music business. And I started kind of working as a freelancer with musicians for, I think, like over three years now, um, helping them with just marketing strategy, copywriting, and definitely social media work. So that experience like translated really well uh, into kind of just social media for, for tech really well in a way that I didn't expect. <laughs> it was just very, you know, social media really is at the end of the day, just being human and connecting in a way that is like valuable and authentic. So I think artists have to do that in a way that's authentic and valuable all the time. So it was really kind of cool to bring that approach to a tech company. And how did you stumble on like this passion for this kind of new coin term of empathy marketing? Yeah, it's funny because I started my job, this one, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I was my first day, I was already working at my job, but I had a different role and took on social media right when we started working remotely. And I said, there's probably a lot of people who are feeling this kind of like you know, anxiety of like, what's going on? What am I going to do? Like I'm working from home and, you know, whether they're starting a new job or not, they're still like, this is different. And I said, you know, I really want to start using this, this to like market what we're doing and kind of the content that we're putting out. 
And it hit me like this kind of idea of empathy marketing came from that moment when I was just like, I'm going to write like how I'm feeling a little bit, but how everyone in the drift team is feeling, how everyone you know from the tech industry is feeling just based on like what they're saying. So empathy marketing, you know, I've always been, you know, very empathetic. I've always been having the ability to feel what people are feeling in the room, but that's a little bit different than the idea of like empathy. There's two different sections of it. It's confusing, but empathy, you know, is that ability to understand people and what they feel, but being an empath, you physically like feel what other people are feeling in the room. I love the term empathy and I love, I think marketers who use empathy and marketing definitely are ahead of the the game because obviously this might actually not be as obvious people think is that knowing your customer and actually deeply knowing your customer is one of the most underrated things. And there's everybody says like they know their customer. I mean, it's been in books for years, but like, what does it actually take to like develop, like knowing your customer? Because I think a lot of people just have coined the term, like, oh, I know a customer. And sometimes knowing customer to them is like, oh, I understand, like, this is my target customer. It's not like understanding yeah. who they are. Yeah, I think there's two major things that I've like learned from just talking to people. And I think the biggest one, um, I've been talking with Christina G. She's big on Twitter. Her big thing about empathy and, you know, understanding customers is, you know, using curiosity as a main goal. So, you know, a demographic or psychographic, you shouldn't just stop there. You should, that should be your starting point to like be more curious about that person, you know, look at what they're doing every single day. Look at what they're talking about every single day, because curiosity ultimately leads to empathy because you're, understanding like who that person is on a deeper level and you're understanding like oh i know what this person would feel right now and then another huge aspect is you know from john sabine he runs Velveeta's cheeses uh social media accounts he used to be in improv for 10 years before taking on that role and you know a lot of people for improv say you know yes and is the biggest role you know saying yes and to like a response and going on with that but i think he has a great perspective where he's saying, you know, when you're working with customers, it's yes, 100%. Empathy is, you know, going to that person and saying, yes, I hear you 100% versus saying yes and um, and applying it to yourself. Because when you're putting yourself in that customer's shoes, it's still a selfish claim. It's still thinking in a selfish way. When you're just hearing them and saying, like processing their raw communication and just saying like, yes, 100%. I'm with you and I understand you, then you're able to kind of approach it in a different way. I mean, what I'm getting out of this, one of the biggest takeaways is active listening, right? I think like actually deeply taking time to like listen to their problems, like their day to day, even like, like what makes them happy and what makes them why they do do things in a day-to-day I think like active listening is big what are some like strategies like in social like to do this active listening really just like joining the conversation <laughs> because like a lot of brands I feel like can get a little hesitant of you know doing that community outreach and community management because it, they want to keep that kind of refined like you know posting structure and all of that but I think just having conversations and you know personifying a brand is like the best way that you can really show that you care uh, and really show that you, you know, trust those people. 
and then, you know, just by having conversations, like you and I are already getting to know each other better because we're just talking, but like, you know, the same translates from a brand to a person, a brand to another brand. Like we see a lot of cool brands just like talking to each other about different trends. Like, I know the monolith was crazy and I know McDonald's posted like, you know, here's my order, order, uh, machine for like the monolith and then Oreo like responded with the McFlurry thing. So like brands talking to brands even just like builds that next level, you know, of personality into, into social, which is really important. I think. And I also think going into this even deeper is like, and I don't think a lot of people forget about this in social and like in writing and then as a brand, it's writing and copywriting is a conversation with your customer, mm-hmm. like you're saying, and it's not you talking to them. It's like you, they feel like you're in a room with them. They feel mm-hmm. like they're having coffee with you. It's like brought down to that level as like, that we're friends. Like we want to, I feel you at the same level. Like I want to help with your problems or I want to help find the best solution for you. I think, I think that's underrated in marketing. I think like Drift kind of coined the term of conversational marketing, but I think like their conversational marketing is based on like their, their chat, which is like amazing. I think like it is, I think, but there's also that other side of it is just like copy is conversation. It's like in any writing or any talking to your customers is conversation. I want to go into how could someone be more, empathetic and is this a skill like to be learned or like or is it something that is inherently someone has it in their personality yeah so this is like what my book is all about which is really exciting to hear that question so there's two aspects of empathy so empathy is something that everyone can learn and understand and you know work on and you know i might mean tweet that i pinned to my twitter is empathy is a muscle and you don't want to miss empathy day. You want to work it on it every single day because it's, it really is a muscle. It's not something that, you know, you're born with. Well, on the other hand, empaths are people that are born with the ability to emotionally pick up other people's emotions, but that's not what I'm getting at with empathy. Empathy is something totally different where you're using like what we've been just talking about, social listening or, you know, curiosity, using that yes, 100% to really learn how to be a professional empathy, you know, using empathy in a professional way. So yeah, it's definitely able, you're definitely able to learn it for sure. And what are some tips you would give someone to like start building this like empathy muscle? Because I think that is people will say, everybody out there is saying, okay, be more empathetic. Like great brands are being, is being empathetic, but nobody's really telling everybody like, what are the steps to be more empathetic? So yeah. what are the, how do you like start flexing that muscle? Yeah. So I'm working on that. Those, <laughs> principle, those principles are what I'm researching. It's going to be done in August, but you know, I really think like a, a, another reason why I, I was inspired to write this book is because I discovered this tool called the Enneagram. Um, I don't know if you heard about it, Dan at all. No, I haven't. You should look it up and take the, it's a the personality test essentially, but on a deeper level. So I'm a three, if anyone knows what the Enneagram is, but the Enneagram is a number through, it has numbers one through nine, and it tells you essentially what what your vice is and what your virtue is. So my my vice is vanity, 
and my virtue is hope. So understanding those two aspects of a person will ultimately, like for every single number, will ultimately be able to make you a better person with empathy because you understand the different types of people, um, what their vices are, what their really dark sides of themselves are, and what their hopes are, what they like want to be, um, or their virtues. So I think that was like a really good you know, tool for me to understand. And it helped me understand who the different people are in the world, but also just, you know, not talking about you the whole time. So as a brand or as a person, talking about your community is a great way to, you know, right now start practicing empathy because, you know, when you're talking about them, ultimately you're building trust with them rather than just kind of talking about you the whole time. I think one of the hardest parts of marketing too, and this is why like, talking to customers and actually getting to know them is a key thing to it is that what people say and what they feel are very disconnected a lot of the time. Like a lot of people don't know, aren't self-aware of who they are. They might think like they made a purchase because of a, a certain need that they're feeling, but really like if you dig deeper, the need is like way deeper than you think it is. So I think like, how does someone get to that level of it? Because I think like you can't just do that from listening to tweets all the time or like taking a survey. I think like there's a deeper way to like figure that out. And I, part of it, I think, is actually just understanding humans in general, like yep. like and in going and studying humans. But there is a part of it that I would say is actually like having these genuine conversations of it. I'm just wondering like how often is that happening in like, your job, like talking to customers? Yeah, no, I think uh, a big trend that we're seeing is people having, you know, 20 person events where it's kind of an invite only really, or kind of open with a limited capacity where you can actually have solid conversations with your customers or with prospects. I think that's super important moving into 2021. You know, 2020, we made a lot of promises of like, here, we're going to be a better company or everyone's going to be a better company. Everyone's going to act on these things. Everyone's going to make all these great promises. But I think 2021 is when you get to show those receipts and say like, we're here for you. We support you. And we want to know how we can better support you. Putting on those events is going to be like key uh, moving forward because it will just help you get a better understanding of what people actually care about will actually let them talk outside of their bubble instead of, you know, talking to their family at night or just putting up a tweet. Like they're actually going to talk to you directly on a deeper level. If you make them feel comfortable, you know, that kind of deeper level that you were just talking about will ultimately come up um, and they'll share their thoughts in a more authentic, real way. That's a super good idea. I think like, it's underrated that marketing play right now. I think everybody is had these playbooks of like, Oh, I have, I'm going to conferences. I need a trade show booth or I need to put on my like big event, which they still doing very well, but the underrated feeling of just that intimate 20 person event of, and what's cool about it now is like, I think more people are open to it because like Zoom is coming like a new norm. It's not becoming like a hassle. It is a little bit of a hassle now because everybody has that little bit of Zoom yeah. fatigue, but it's still like less of a strain than getting on a plane and flying to the event and having all these yeah. expenses that you have. I want to 
dig into something that I like to ask people on this podcast um, and is what do you think is common theme of what most marketers are doing wrong today? I think, and this might be like, not, it's like a good and bad thing, but I think marketers are doing too much. Like, I think we're focusing on too many things. We're excited about different projects and we jump on board. We're, we're really those yes people. <laughs> and I'm a yes person, I don't know about you, but I think everything that I get excited about, I usually want to jump on board and do it. But at the same time, you know, it's really important to learn how to be a no person to like kind of really simplify what you're doing and really like narrow in on things so you can really make those projects really perfect. Not really perfect, but maybe even close to perfect <laughs> um, rather than having a, a quantity kind of thing. Uh, I think marketers, we have a lot of side hustles. We have a lot of projects that we do, you know, multiple projects that we do in our day jobs. And I think like that, that is kind of the one thing that might be holding us back. I mean, that's a great point. I think I listened to a podcast and I wish I like can recall like the podcast, but they're saying like, they were saying like marketers have set up to like have like all these campaigns in a month. Right. And Mm -hmm. instead of like just focusing on like one or two big things and just trickling it down and making those great, like they, Mm -hmm. they set out, they, spread this up too thin and then don't do what they at the level that they should be doing. But also it's like their strategy is kind of all over the place when you set out too many goals for a marketing team. I think like what happens is like you have seven goals and then everybody, like there'd be a lot of people missing some marks and then you, you kind of don't hit all of them anyway. And then it feels like, demeaning as a marketing team but also like you don't like over promise uh i mean under promise and over deliver like in yep. the other aspects of your marketing mm-hmm. i'm just interested like social like how did you even like come into like this job at drift like where did that even come from like how did you fall into that yeah so i was a video intern at drift before running social here so I was just working on, you know, our stuff for insider, our stuff for social. And I worked a lot on kind of like YouTube strategy. And then kind of right before the pandemic, someone um, in the social role moved on to a different company. And I saw that as an opportunity since I mentioned that I was working in social in the past with artists um, on the side and, you know, really took the opportunity and asked if I could be considered in got an internship as social and then moved up from there into an associate role right now. Since you're like early in like the, the like social career and just like getting into it, like what are some tips you would give like marketers just like starting out? Like what are like some Mm -hmm. things that you have found to be successful as like a a younger marketer? Yeah. I think specifically for social uh, scheduling your day is super important. Every day, like my calendar is completely full because I block off time for time for meetings, but like time for looking into trends on Google Trends, looking for mentions across, you know, Google updates, trends on Twitter. And then from there, I block off an hour to do scheduling for the, the day or next day or so. And then I, I focus on, I think this is the biggest one, focus on community engagement and community management. I do that for three or three and a half hours every single day. 
That's including, you know, working in your community management with people that are interacting with your brand already, but also like finding those conversations that you can join and like crash the party in. Because like I said, I think being that brand that has those conversations, has those human conversations that aren't just talking about your product or, you know, coming off as a real genuine value add community engagement. I think that is huge for a social media marketer to know. And I know a lot of social media people, when you're starting out, you're a one person team. So, you know, sometimes there's community managers that do just that. Um, And I think that just shows the importance of, you know, blocking off that time to do that community engagement and that community management. And I think like the biggest tip, and I actually got this from Matt Kobach. I don't know if he said it on your episode, but, you know, if you put something out, the best thing that could happen is it goes viral or it goes really well. The worst thing that can happen is just no one sees it. So like, it doesn't matter, (laughs) you know? So I think that was the coolest thing to think about for social media because, you know, you're not going to do anything outlandish or crazy. So it's not going to be a bad, super negative thing. It's the worst thing that can happen is that it just doesn't get engagement or doesn't get views. And I think that was just a really good empowering stance to look at social media from because it's then you can really do anything at that point, you know? Yeah. And I also think to your point, I think that is also a huge way to test like your ideas. Like I think like Mm -hmm. you can put something out in the world and if nobody engages with it or nobody like connects with it, you might have something that is not said correctly and you can test it differently in social media. There's a people underestimate like the short term like memory in social media. Yeah. I think that's like the one thing I think I've learned a lot from just posting on LinkedIn. I think there's a very short term memory and like and going back to your empathy subject is like you you should be empathetic to know that like your end user is busy. Like they're not mm-hmm. going to remember what you posted yesterday. They're not going to remember what you posted five hours ago. They interact mm-hmm. with it and might, might stick in two or three people's minds like yours right now of this tweet, but it's not like you thinking about it like five months later when they post mm-hmm. it again. Like one thing I want to dig into, which I'm pretty interested in, and is how you like set up your like, google trends and finding these trends like what like how do you set that up and like how do you look for like ones to hop on versus not hop on yeah totally so i think keywords are the best definitely brand mentions but i think keywords are the best so you know looking at things that are keywords for your brand and specifically saying you know finding those articles or search queries that say like things that you've already written about. So if you have a keyword and then you've written a blog post about the keyword that's like next to it, um, all those different things that are popping up, then you should join those conversations and find where they are and search them on Twitter, search them on LinkedIn and comment in a valuable way. uh, That's not just like, Hey, look at my blog. It's, you know, giving a thought on that, you know, trend and then actually dropping the blog post and saying like this, we've already talked about this. We've, have a great insight into like all of this and we would love to hear what you think um you know on our our work or even if it's if you don't have a blog post you can add you know a two to three liner about what you think about it what your brand's position would be on that topic that's awesome and i i also want to get in another topic with you because i 
I think it's really interesting how you you guys do it in Drift, but also just like B2B companies in general. Like, like how should B2B companies think about like not making social media boring and not being like this like corporation that is just like robotic? Because I feel like there's a huge opportunity in social media that B2B marketers aren't taking right now because the bar is actually set so low in B2B. Like B2C, like you can... I can name off like 20 B2C companies mm-hmm. on social that are killing it, but how many people on like, how many brands on right. B2B brands could you name that are killing it on social right now? Right. Yeah. I think the first one that comes to mind right now to me is Gong. I think there's kind of two trends I'm seeing is just like one understanding that you're not like saving lives. So not taking yourself too seriously, is going to be a huge, huge thing for B2B marketers to understand. And then two, I think, is employee advocacy. It's something that I've been like studying a lot this year and just understanding more about if you have employees that are posting on your brand's behalf and posting things that are like, you know, super like relevant and super authentic, then I think that will always benefit your brand and also benefit their personal brand as they're growing to just kind of talk about your brand in a way that like actually you know, is super positive and makes them excited, like makes people excited about the company, you know, from, you know, wanting to work there in a perspective or just understanding the brand perspective. So I think those two are are huge. This actually brings me into another topic, which is um, I want to ask you like about is like, how do you one like evangelize employees to like post and like, like, and not without pressuring them, like evangelize this, this part of it and two like what do you say to companies that like think like people who are posting like their employees are posting on social media is a bad thing because i think there's those two sides of it like i think some brands have should be on this right now and like just don't know how to evangelize their employees and then there's the other brands who are saying like i'm scared of losing my employee whatever like i'm scared of a bad brand appearance like all these things like Yeah. So I think ultimately it comes down to training. So, you know, when there's a new employee coming in, you know, giving them an understanding of what the best practices are on social as an employee at your company, giving them an understanding of like what it means to kind of be an employee advocate, you know, posting the same post, copy and pasting like an example post and like having 20 people do that. That's where the negative is, right? Like when you're seeing that, it's kind of, that's the opposite of what you're trying to accomplish, right? Authenticity and value. So when you're seeing 20 of the same posts all over LinkedIn, that's kind of a negative aspect for sure. So I think training people from the beginning saying, you know, here's what you can expect as an employee advocate. Here's what you can say about the brand. And then also really stressing be yourself um, in the content that you're posting and share your own perspective on the blog, on the event, on the product launch, like really share why you're excited about it. And what we've seen is like, even like internal marketing, we've done like drift videos to get people excited about it. And if those are work really well internally, then we'll have those people share them on social in a way that is authentic and engaging. Yeah. I think that's my answer. Um, I mean, that's a great point. I think, and I like the point that you make because I, this is what I don't like about like employee, like in advocacy, like softwares, 
because I think like we had one at Oracle when I worked there and like, it was basically you sign in, like you could pick one of like the links to like post and it like writes the post for you and it, yeah. you just send it out. And it's like everybody at Oracle is posting this, which, okay, you might get, and everybody knows links on LinkedIn, especially yeah. is plummets. Like, yeah. That's why I always say like in marketing, I think, in the, and you probably know this from social media is like, even when you're at scale as a company, you have to be doing unscalable things. Yeah. yeah. So like the community management thing is pretty, there's tools to help be better, but it's pretty unscalable. Like look how many, how many hours a day you're, it's taking you to yeah. Community manager, and you probably could do it for six hours a day if you wanted to, because there's yeah. so much going on. So it's like mm-hmm. those unscalable like moments that you have are like what pe- brands like leave behind. Like I think like, and that's total like empathy. Like it's like yeah, I am willing to spend extra as a brand to be give my do these unscalable things, which is like mm-hmm. a pretty interesting thing to think about in my point of view, just because I think like I just had someone on my podcast the other day and he gave me this story and I was just going to bring it up to you. Cause I, I think you would find it interesting is like his name's Evan Singer. He is the CEO of like this agency and he worked for the Uber and NFL. And he said like one day he bought Warby Parker and he Warby Parker lets you try on your lens, like lenses when you're at home. So he did this like, party when we were pre-COVID where like everybody got to try on these lenses and people gave them thumbs up and thumbs down and he loved the experience so much he started referring some friends and he referred some friends and Warry Parker sent him this journal and this like old pencil and like a bunch of things and like a little note and the note said that like basically it said that we feel like we give this to people on their first day at Warby Parker. Mm. Like we feel like you're part of the team now. Cool. Like, and I think like that little moment made him an evangelist forever, but it's such an unscalable thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like drift does this very well too. I think like you probably can name like five things that drift has done that is very unscalable, but has brought, because I know like David Cantil has sent out books like on for just yeah. posting something on Twitter, which is very unscalable. But at the end of the day, like those are probably raving fans now of Jeff. Right. So do you have like any like things that you think that you guys, you do or do you, like as a social media person or just that you've seen that are very like these moments that are pretty unscalable that can like help a brand out? Oh yeah. I think everyone talks about fast, but I think like the hoodies um, that, were drawn on the profile pictures of people that bought them. I think that was perfect because yeah, they had a back order, but being able to draw or put the hoodie on someone so that they can like share it in a cartoon form was just like amazing. Cause you know, they might not be able to do that forever, but I know like it was just Matt doing that on his own. And I think that was such an amazing way to like bring community management to the next level and then make people fall in love with, fast like as a brand and i think like doing more of that i think you're right is definitely like another principle of empathy um because when you're doing things that are unscalable you're you're taking time to stop your day and like 
really focus on on that customer or that person or that fan. And I think that's very rare for sure. If we're going back into that Matthew Kobach situation, I think what he does really well is like he's put like a name behind like fast brand, like Matthew Kobach runs fast, like, like how you kind of doing like Pat runs drift. Right. Like, and I think like a lot of these like brands are just like doing really well. Like the employee advocacy, like there is like a human behind this brand. Like one of my favorite mm-hmm. tweets was that went viral by McDonald's and you probably saw this was like, everybody asks about like, When's the McRib coming back? But nobody's asking, like, how are you doing? So should people be running this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like. Love that. Yeah. It's like that, that conversation that's going on. I want to ask you one more question and then I'm going to leave it to you to just drop anything you want to, like, where people could follow you and yeah. all that good stuff. But the last question I want to ask is, like, what companies do you think are doing, like, this empathy marketing very well? Yeah, I think I gave all my examples already, but I'd say like my top three that I've been just looking at is definitely McDonald's. Like I think everything they're doing right now is just like nostalgia and empathy. And it's just amazing. Definitely fast for the reasons we mentioned before. And then I think Google is amazing. I I got to talk to Santi Pochat, who is the head of their social lab there. And he talked to me about how they actually use all the curie search data to really influence their social strategy during the week of the election the anxiety was the most searched word um, and it was like search of the volume that they'd never seen since google ever started and they used that data to essentially say we're going to put out just meditation uh videos the whole week just to make our audience feel better and just take a minute to to breathe and not feel anxious and i think you know like that example is just exactly what I'm getting at with empathy marketing. It's like, you know, really understanding like this data and really putting emotions to it and putting actual people behind it. Kind of like we were just talking about putting people behind the social media brands and then just taking action on it from there. Awesome. And it's been awesome talking to you, but I want to give you the chance to, I know you have something coming out in 2021 that you can pre- talk about and then also where people could find you because i you're a good follow in all channels so thank you so much yeah so i'm focusing on linkedin and twitter because i think those are my favorites not instagram anymore so twitter is pat timmons p-a-t-t-i-m-m-o-n-s underscore and then linkedin is just pat timmons as like the the end of linkedin the link and then in august 2021 i have a book coming out that we've kind of alluded to um, all about what it means to be a person that uses empathy in their professional day-to-day, um, you know, really focusing on marketers and social media and executives, but anyone can really learn something from the principles of empathy. So I'm excited to bring that book out. And yeah, I'm super excited for it as well. And I, I kind of want to do one thing at the end and just say that like whoever's listening to this, if they like share out this podcast i'll pick two of these people and i will send pat's book to you sweet Um, i think it's going to be amazing book so i think it's going to be great to have your hand so i'll pick two people who share out this podcast and give it give it some love so awesome cool well thank you so much for your time and um it's been awesome yeah thank you